0: This is a tough saying. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. This does not sound like the Prince of Peace. This does not sound like Jesus the nice guy. This is tough news. So how do we interpret this? We have to look at the context, as always. 2,000 years ago, for Judaism, the understanding was that the kingdom of God was really the restoration of the kingdom of King David, the wisdom of Solomon, the might of the Jewish army, and great economy, great wealth, great prosperity, power, power prestige until the end of time. It was the restoration of what they expected, a kingdom of God on earth. And the Messiah was to be their king, a kind of King David and wisdom of Solomon combined, an apocryphal figure in many ways, who would be a mighty warrior and would then reign forever and Judaism would become the great power on earth. This was the understanding. This was what many people were waiting for. It was a confused time, but Jesus made it very clear, the kingdom of God, he says, is not in this world. You're not to find it in this world. My kingdom, he has said, is not of this world. And so he's always telling his disciples, you can be in the world, But remember, you are not of the world. You're not to be constituted in your very being with all your hopes and aspirations and desires to be grounded so of the world that you can't see yourself out of the world to a new kingdom, an eternal kingdom of heaven. So he's making it very clear the kingdom of God is not here in its fullness but it is here in some ways within you. There's a foretaste and promise there by virtue of baptism that we are longing for our heavenly home. That's our kingdom. That's where we keep our eyes set on. And in the meantime, we're in this passing world, not to disparage the world, not to call it evil, but to put those persons, places, and things that surround us, the ones we love, in perspective, as always in perspective, with a view towards God Almighty, so that we don't become so weighed down and so overwhelmed by and consumed by the stuff of the world. Persons, places, and things, think about them, the ones you love most, and ask yourself the question in light of the gospel, do I possess them And I mean by that in a very healthy way. Do I embrace them, those beautiful persons, places, and things, or do they possess me? Because he says, none of you can be my disciple unless you renounce all your possessions. Now, it doesn't, doesn't just mean the stuff. We've been talking about that throughout the summer, getting rid of the stuff of life. But it's really more profound. It's the stuff That possesses us. It controls us. We become addicted to it. We can't stop. It has a control and a power over us. And they can be people at work or at home. They can be even dead. Parents and grandparents and relatives who had control over over us during their life. And we we still can't let them go. They, They have come to possess us. And we're possessed by our anger towards them. Our frustration, our resentment, our vengeance. That's a big possession. That's being possessed. We speak of demonic possession, but in a sense, this is another kind of possession. It's of those spirits that have so mastered me that I'm not in control of them. I think of the cell phone in particular wonderful artificial instrument of technology and communication, but it's become a kind of third appendage, right? Everyone walks around with this. Women used to wear a pocketbook or a purse, right? Now it's the cell phone. Everyone has a cell phone. And it's the addiction, for many. And they get up in the morning. I know, I'm guilty of this too. That's the first thing I will go to. Check the email. Check the tweets, the Facebook, the Instagram, the messages, the weather. It's all here and I'm constantly addicted to it. It's, I have to catch myself. I'm at conversation with people at dinner and I'm looking at my cell phone. I find this fascinating. Here I'm 58 years old, I'm getting old, but you know, I look at young people with all respect and. They're around a table at a restaurant and there may be six or eight of them and they're all looking at this. And you know what they're doing? Because I asked one time, I said, are you all like talking to each other? Yeah. (laughs) Can't believe she just said that. (laughs) OMG. (laughs) Laughing my off. And they're talking to each other this way. That's strange. Artificial communication. We become addicted to the artifice, not the natural, but the artifice of communication. Not all, but I think it is an addiction for many. The internet. The internet is a big addiction. Money, certainly, and work. That's a big addiction. And drugs, sure, and the standard litany of all the compulsions. So they possess us sometimes. They've taken possession of us. They've taken away a little bit of our soul, our spirit. And we find it hard to say no. We give in. And the culture gives in. And everyone says that's the way it's done these days. Okay, my concern for me, and perhaps for you, is this possession piece. Am I in control of it, or is it in control of me? And each one of us has to battle with that our own way. But our Lord is saying, look, I want you to renounce those things because they're going to get in the way of your joy for life. You become so dependent upon these things, so dependent upon them, that you're no longer really dependent upon me. You don't look to me. You haven't talked to me in a long time. I've been talking to you from eternity. I've been trying to knock on your heart and say, would you open the door for me just a little bit? Because I'd like to share with you some news, some joyful news that I've been raised from the dead, that I'm alive, and that I'm preparing a place for you one day. And it's not Washington, D.C. It's not the Grand Canyon. It's not Paris. It's not even Rome. It's a place called heaven. It's beautiful. It's eternal. And I want you to keep your eyes focused on me, because as you pass through this world, there are going to be so many voices, And such a culture of power that will seduce you if you don't stay focused on me. And it will rob you of your joy. It will give you the impression, the seduction of joy. But it will, in the end, take everything from you. If you allow it to possess you. So don't get possessed. Don't get possessed. Now we know that. I'm preaching always to the choir Someone always said, Father, don't you have a choir at St. Anne's? I said, well, I've got the choir. Here you are. You all know this in faith. That's why you're here. You know that it's important to take time out once a week for an hour and 10 minutes at this 11 o'clock Mass. As I've said, if you come to the 7.30 Mass on Sunday morning, that's out at 8.01 and 32 seconds. But we take the time, whatever the time it is, the time of the heart, the time of the soul, to put aside the possessions of of our lives to put them in perspective not to put all of our time and talent and treasure into them but to see them as means to the end not the end in themselves and to ask ourselves today as we come away from the business and the busyness of the world that number one in my life is the lord jesus and i believe that he is here under meager forms of bread and wine. And this is my greatest joy. This is what grounds me. So many young adults say to me, You know, I, I was away from the church for so long and I kind of experimented with a lot of different things. And, and now I'm back at American University and I've come here and I'm, I'm looking again. I got hurt out there, I got disappointed, I got too angry, too selfish. I lost my way. Our hearts are restless, friends, until they rest in God. Our hearts were made for him, not for the world. As beautiful as it is, as wonderful and powerful as it is in its right perspective, but it's not my heavenly home. It's not the kingdom of God on earth. So this helps us then to give ourselves a certain distance, even from our family to say that over time, you know, I have to move on. I have to let go. When Jesus says, anyone who comes to me without hating his father and mother, he means not to be so in love with them as ends in themselves, but always to see them as God's gift. That I don't ultimately love them. I ultimately love God and love them as image and likenesses of God. But not to make them gods, not to make a priest a god, not to make anyone, any place, anything a god. One alone is the Lord your God. You shall not have idols. And he means that because those idols, those possessions, those persons, places, and things that take control of us if we allow them, and even when we don't want to allow them, they can take over, they get in the way and make us frustrated angry, lonely, disappointed, and hurt. So, it's just another lesson. It's just one more way in which the Lord is telling us to keep perspective, not to be possessed, but to be delivered. We pray in a moment after the Our Father, deliver us, Lord, from every evil and grant us peace in our days. Keep us free from sin protect us from all anxiety, as we wait the coming of our savior and the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ.